Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by Blue Wire Pods, the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go check that out today. Brownstown, Wide Receiver One, uh, Greenlight with Chris Long, all types of great shows across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Also, Outsider.com. Joined Outsider. Go check out Outsider today if you have not already done so. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever, um, whichever social media platform you're most comfortable with. Go check out the good folks at Outsider. Uh, Excited to start working with them. Uh, So go do that. Uh, Make sure to check out Matt Green at Matt underscore W underscore Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green. He's in the pod today. It is Monday, October 25th on this very podcast from Knoxville, Tennessee. So you know that means Matt Green is on the pod to talk all things college football. Crazy week eight, uh, more AP drops. A um, lot to unpack with the Tennessee-Alabama game. A lot to unpack with Penn State going down, the LSU coaching rumors heating up, Clemson going down, Kenny Pickett's Heisman case, Oregon State with another big-time Pac-12 after dark win. Uh, all kinds of great stuff uh, in college football. So excited to dive into all of that with Matt. Again, go ahead and give him a follow at Matt underscore W underscore Green. And uh, yeah. All right. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas and I am joined by my fellow University of North Georgia alumni and good friend Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. I am uh, glad to be back for another week. Uh, college football, man. Just got to love it. Greatest sport on earth. The greatest sport on earth, he says. Um, my, in my humble opinion. But see, the thing is, though, and people get really upset about that kind of stuff. People really go back and forth. Every weekend, it's without fail. You can just search on uh, on Twitter.com that there are people who are like, I don't know how people could prefer the NFL. And then they're the same people. Like, I don't know how people could prefer college football to the NFL. Like, it's just, it's so silly that, I think we've talked about this, of just the people who mm-hmm. are adamant about their thing that they like the most being the best thing and not being able to fathom someone else having a different perspective or different taste than than their own it's very strange but it's every weekend on twitter.com yeah pretty standard with uh just basic human interaction <laughs> you know these days like no one can even understand the other point of view anymore so uh it's not not even surprising no it's it's certainly not surprising certainly not surprising um matt green how was your weekend how was your college football watching weekend what did you get into how did you organize your your saturday well, this was an excellent weekend. As you know, um, it's bye week for, for my beloved Bulldogs, but biggest game in the history of my Braves fandom, if mm-hmm. we're being honest. Last time they went to the World Series, I was nine years old. Like, I didn't really truly appreciate that. Also, in the 90s, like, I didn't realize you even had to earn a going to a World Series. I thought that's just something your team did after the season was over. Everyone went to the World Series, right? We were in Atlanta, like, five of the first nine years I was born the Braves were in the World Series and I don't remember like any of that right so mm-hmm. Bravo's getting the win I feel like was the highlight of my weekend personally um, but yeah I mean as far as college football goes like we said there were so many games with uh, ranked teams playing unranked teams and uh, you knew there was going to be going to be an upset in there and, and we definitely got a couple yeah 
Yeah. How did you organize your day? What did you What did you dive most into? What had your your attention? Uh, as far as the noon slate, Kansas and Oklahoma was definitely where the majority of my attention was. I just couldn't believe that was a game for as long as it was. It's just insane. And then three thirty, you're all, I'm always watching the CBS game at three thirty. And then and then once uh once the night came. You had a. Uh, I was basically just swapping back and forth with Bama, Tennessee, and and the Braves. So, Bama, Tennessee gave us a good one for a while, but um, that that couldn't get my interest more than the uh, more than the Bravos getting to the World Series. It was a great moment. It was a great moment. The way they won. Tyler Matzik is a is an absolute legend. Love me some Tyler Matzik. I, I feel for Luke Jackson. The family group chat was ruthless when it mm. came to Luke Jackson and I mean just the the shots of him after were were brutal um yeah Waffle he, was, House. Uh, he was struggling over there I would love to see the Waffle House numbers the sales numbers in Atlanta <laughs> this weekend right no like it's got to be preposterous I should have done my part I did not I did not go to a Waffle House this week but um I should have done my part I hate the uh, hate the Waffle House slander I I hate it too um a lot of weird takes. There was a weird, weird deadspin take. I, I've looked at Twitter.com way too much today, but certain things of just like the Braves now becoming more of the villain than the 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 Houston Astros is is rather funny to me. Um, I don't know. It's it's very weird. People are not well when it comes to the Braves advancing to the World Series. Um, I I don't know. I'm excited. I did not. I think you and I agree that we did not see this coming. I don't think anyone had Eddie Rosario. Uh, Eddie Rosario just having the NLCS of a lifetime um, just just phenomenal stuff I have no idea what happens in the World Series but I'm excited like the these opportunities don't come around very often um, and doing it without Ronald Acuna is just uh, just pretty yeah, that's bonkers probably, but, that's probably the craziest part and just hey like you said last week and something that I'd written about this summer of just just going for it and not punting on this season when you lost Acuna and trading for Duvall, bringing in Soler, bringing in Rosario, trying with Richard Rodriguez, you know, just doing stuff to to see what happens. And hey, you see, you see, yeah, that was that was one thing I saw over the weekend that um, Anthopolis, because someone was asking him, um, you know, what made him, you know, go for it and try to make moves, be a, a buyer at the deadline, and he basically said back a few years back with the Blue Jays when Jose Batista like called out the front office for not making moves and trying to win like he said it was like the biggest regret of his like professional career essentially so he's like we had a team that was right there kind of hovering around like I'm not doing my job if I'm not trying to make moves for us to win and get to the World Series so I thought that was a pretty cool little anecdote I heard over the weekend absolutely it was great um the we'll get to Kansas Oklahoma and everything I went to the Smokies on on Saturday, the noon slate was so bad, Matt. It I was just uh, I was out. I couldn't I couldn't do the noon slate, um, and it was it was a delight. It was it was gorgeous. The traffic into Gatlinburg when you get really close, Gatlinburg was was popping, as the kids say, and uh, a lot of <laughs> doggos all around. They have park rangers that patrol the the dog trail because there's only like two that are uh, allowed for for pets in the Smoky Mountain National Park. And they literally have rangers that their their job during that portion of the day is just to to walk around and make sure you're not going on any of the the paths that are not dog friendly. We got stopped. 
Um, it was, ah. it was, mm-hmm. it was a lot. I would be curious to know though if they would stop you guys because you got you got Zeus and Maddox. I don't know uh, if this little floof that we've got in Khaleesi matches up to what uh, what would be the case if you Tori and Zeus and Maddox rolled up. I, I don't know if the same interaction happens. Yeah, especially if the park ranger is rocking a hat. Mm-hmm. Zeus, Zeus is not a fan of hats, you know. Wait, what so do you mean? He, he just doesn't like to not be able to see people's face. Like that's when he's like, "Hey, like, what, what, what the fuck's up with this guy?" You know, like mm-hmm. if someone's got a hoodie, a hat. It's if it's dark at all, and anyone comes near us, it's like he's just on alert. You know, really. But, uh, I feel like he just needs to see, be able to see your face. I don't know. I get you know that's how dogs are. How like. Mm-hmm. They, read people's facial expressions but yeah that's that's what we've noticed like the only time zeus ever like is weird around people like in public is mm. if they have like a hat on or like a hoodie it's weird interesting but, yeah i wonder i'm we would definitely follow the rules though tori's a big rule follower so we wouldn't uh we wouldn't get on any trails we couldn't be on but we didn't even have an opportunity like they stopped it they nipped that in the bud before you even make the make the jump and it wasn't even intentional we were just trying to find Mm. and it's uh it's a it's a big deal it's a big deal no bear sightings didn't realize yeah no bear sightings i was looking for that but yeah it's gorgeous this time of year gorgeous time of year um but yeah well let's get into our headline story of the weekend mac green the headline story of the college football weekend for you is what gotta be the year of the upset man mm. we uh we had more of it so we talked about uh last week on the pod six of the seven weeks so far we've had a top 10 team go down uh three weeks in a row we've had a top we had a top three team the last three weeks lose to an unranked team and now we have two more again this week uh top 10 teams losing to unranked teams iowa state like that one was obviously a little different because they were actually favored at the end of the game and a just a really weird instance. Um, but Illinois over Penn State, I don't think any of us saw that happening. And just the way Illinois did it, just, you know, five, what was it, like 400, 500 yards on the ground? Like, just Chase Brown went off. Yeah. And then we had the overtime. And <laughs> we'll get to that. Was, that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. That was the biggest story of the weekend for me. The overtime stuff. Well, let's just get into the overtime. Let's get into um the new overtime rules i don't think a lot of people knew that that was a thing until this game happened and uh, people were flabbergasted by it i i just i don't think there's ever going to be a universal approval of any kind of overtime format because it's not as though nfl fans love their format even when they've tinkered with it a little bit no one's been a hundred percent in on the college football uh way of doing things but i will say it made sense to me especially with so this is something like having like watching a full season of Josh Heupel's offense. And um, I'm sure Ole Miss fans are dealing with this too. And a lot of just high octane offenses um, are going through is that like this season, especially um, the snap counts are, are pretty bonkers. And with the, just the hurry up nature and tempo being just such a critical part of college football now that like, a lot of dudes are dropping and a lot of dudes are tired and cramps are a real part of the game now cramps are legitimate like do does everyone cheat as much as old miss does like they did a week ago no it's not that egregious generally speaking but um i will say it it's it's pretty bonkers to watch and it's just become part of the game because 
everyone's getting more snaps in. There's more plays. It's faster. The game moves side to side so much that guys are just exhausted by the fourth quarter. Um, and you rotate, and that helps, but they wanted to shorten overtime because they're like, all right, these guys are already gassed, getting 70 to 80 snaps um, that we cannot add. We cannot have these eight to nine overtime games anymore with the, the current format because these guys just don't have don't have it in them like we're just gonna have too many other injuries and they're trying to protect that and i i get that but i don't i don't know if this works either and i think it's just silly and we look at the record books and how this game was won it uh it was it was quite silly and it's just uh if you're a penn state fan i imagine this is a very very frustrating frustrating way to lose great win for illinois obviously and bielma and a signature win here but i don't know this was this was just silly where i'm like even with the win it, it feels more like a tie to me yeah, exactly. Like, this was a joke. Like, this didn't decide who the better team was in any way. And, like, that's what overtime is ultimately for. Like, like that's why you see basketball. It's like, yeah, just put five minutes on the board. We'll just keep playing. Like, that's the whole purpose of overtime is just figure out who the better team is. Because we don't – we're not satisfied with ties, you know. And it's like, well, what do we have? Like, three seven overtime games in, like, 25 years at that format? Like, Seven overtime games weren't something that was just happening that was like, okay, we need to put a stop to this. Like, we need to do something. Like, as far as Major League Baseball goes, it's like, they play 162 games. Like, no one wants to see 15, 16, 17 innings of, you know, maybe six or seven straight innings of, of scoreless baseball. And then you get position, uh, position players pitching and stuff like that. And it just totally throws off the pitching rotation for the following days. It's like, that was something that was a problem that you needed to find a solution for. I, I feel like this, there was no problem that they were finding a solution for, like, in my opinion. Like, if, if, a, if a crazy game is, like, just going to happen, it's going to happen. You can't just, like, like that LSU Texas A&M game. Like, we've, we've never seen a game like that. And then it happens one time, and we're like, oh, well, we need to make sure this never happens again. Like, like why? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm confused. Like, I understand the whole player safety, like, you're not wanting games to go super long, but like that type of thing rarely ever happened. So it just, it seemed like a huge overreaction to me. And then on top of that, the solution seems like you went from like, maybe if this, if this registered on a two of a problem, you went with a solution that was a 10, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like how about we just have no field goals in overtime <laughs> or no no extra points in overtime you just have to go for two every time like we're not going to we just went straight to PKs like in the in the third overtime now it's just it's such a weird way to decide football like it, the only thing i know i we uh, we talked about this on saturday the only solution i could see if you're trying to do the kind of pk style is to give someone four downs from the 10 yard line cuz that's like still football you know we have first down second down third this this whole thing with the two-point conversion like obviously i they called it a two-point conversion so maybe i'm dumb for not knowing how many points but when it once it started i was kind of like wait did they get two points for this they get six points like i don't know it was just such a weird format and then you had what they they both got field goals in the in the first two overtimes and then you had like four or five straight overtime periods where neither team converted it's like Mm -hmm. After the third or fourth one, you're just like, this is a joke. They were, they're running one play from the three-yard line. Like, what does that say about who is who is the better football team? Like, I thought it was just a failure. I feel like the fact that it happened this early makes me think there's no way this stands. 
like long term like because i think there is like a lot of debate on what the right overtime football format is like you said but it seems like people who prefer college on like far and wide seem to prefer the college overtime rule like it if nothing else it's fair and two teams have equal chance to score from the 25 i just hate like i would back it up to the 50 if it were up to me because i just hate you do nothing and then you can get a you can still get a field goal like that's just that seems terrible like there's no point of being rewarded with any sort of points if you can't get any yards but i also i just hate the pro turn uh, the pro format of potentially a coin to- losing a coin toss costing you a game like that's just that's that's the worst of all the options to me but but what we saw at illinois and penn state it was just i feel like it was ugly enough to where like surely this rule won't won't stay we'll see i don't know i mean how long was the previous overtime rule in in effect like our entire lifetime right yeah, but I feel like there was no real complaints. Like yeah. it was, it was awesome. Honestly, like I feel like getting rid of like any extra points, like at all, like that would that would help. Like from the first overtime on, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like just maybe you can't kick field goals. Like maybe that's the solution. But this whole PK system, like we're not gonna have these seven overtime games, like LSU, Texas A&M a few years back. And if we do. It's like, let's appreciate that for being, like, one of the greatest games in college football history. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't it wasn't a, a 22-inning baseball game where you watch nine scoreless innings from the, from the 12th to the 20th, you know? It's like, that was nonstop action. People, like, converting fourth downs, like, making insane catches. Like, I don't feel like any true college football fan watched A&M LSU a few years ago and was like, Oh no! This is terrible. We need to put a stop to this. This is this is not what football should be. Like I felt like I felt that I just didn't want one of these teams to lose because it was just an incredible game. That's fair. That's fair. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, your green line, Matt's stat of the weekend, sir. It's time for green line. What do you have for me? All right, so um, we all saw the craziness of the Wake Forest Army game uh, mm-hmm. this weekend. It was a 70 to 56 final score. So uh, the Wake Forest offense, <laughs> I know the offense saw, as it's known, scored 70 points with 17 minutes time <laughs> of possession. Just absurd what they were doing. But that's not the most absurd part of what they did on on Saturday. They had 638 yards on Saturday. Do you know how many points or how many yards they could have possibly gotten hmm. on Saturday? 683. This team got all but 45 yards that they could have potentially gotten in the entire game. Like just every single drive, 80 yards away from the end zone, 80 yards touchdown. Look at this look at these this drive chart. It's just absurd. Eleven drives in the game, touchdown, touchdown, turnover on downs. That was the one drive that they didn't get a touchdown on. So touchdown, touchdown, turnover on downs, touchdown, touchdown. That was the first half. Then in the second half, touchdown. Then the defense gets a pick six. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. And then they knee it to end the game. Like just 
just absurd offensive efficiency for Wake Forest. Like maybe maybe the greatest game offensive game ever played. I don't know. Probably up there. I'm sure Georgia Tech in that uh, what is it Cumberland College or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who could I'm forget? Sure they, I'm sure they got every possible yard they could have in that game. But uh, yeah, just an insane performance by Wake Forest uh, offense on Saturday. I like it. I like it. Um, I nailed that one. I told you that that was going to be a must see, a must watch. I but feel I like think, I had a good weekend as a whole, to be honest. Yeah, you definitely did. I think um, the craziest part was just you don't think of a you know the triple option, the run heavy team can't get in a shootout. Like that was like the craziest form of a shootout in college football history. One team's just going eighty play, eighty yards in three plays, and the other team's going. 80 yards in, in 15 plays every <laughs> yeah. time they get the ball. Like That's true. A very different dichotomy. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, well, let's get into how we did this weekend, Matt Green. My, my spidey senses tell me that I had a pretty solid weekend. You did have a solid weekend, but um, I don't want to burst your bubble. Oh, no. You did not make up any ground. Oh, no. Um, but you did not lose any ground. So wait, how did I not make up any ground? We had a lot of differentiating we, picks. We had a lot of differences, and I, I ran the numbers multiple times because I thought the same thing. But we were both seven and four against the spread, and we were both seven and four overall. So how is that possible? I can uh, I can I can show you the data afterwards. If this uh, is why we're both uh, journalism majors, is because but, uh, this is preposterous to me. I mean, do you want to run through it right now? Let's let's run through it. So, who just to refresh the listeners on what so what transpired a couple picked, days ago? Both picked UCLA to win and cover. Mm. Both picked Wake Forest to win and cover. Mm-hmm. I picked Purdue. You picked Wisconsin. I picked Pitt. You picked Clemson. Did I pick I picked, Clemson? I picked Oklahoma State. Picked Iowa State. Uh, we both picked Minnesota. Both picked Louisville. I picked San Diego State. You picked Air Force. <sighs> I picked Fresno, you picked Nevada, who did cover. And Oklahoma State, that was the other one. Oklahoma State lost, but they did cover. We both picked Notre Dame. I picked Utah, you picked Oregon State. Hmm. Okay. It was the, the, the group of five that, that that sunk me from really making up a bunch of ground. My wolf pack let me down. And my That's Falcons. True. That's what I get. That's what I get. But... Man, I feel good about the the Oregon State one. Nailed that one. And the Wisconsin was, uh, one. The Wisconsin was my lock of the week. Is that right? Yeah, I had Wisconsin as the lock of the week. There was no Wisconsin hasn't lost to Purdue. It, they have like a Bama Tennessee situation going on over there and we we know what happened. You had that stat of like what happened the last time Purdue You're was right. ranked. And, <laughs> uh, and I didn't believe it. it. All the signs are pointing against Purdue and uh, that was Zeus's home dog of the week also. Mm. That's his fourth straight loss, home dog. Goodness gracious, Zeus. Zeus, maybe, you know, maybe we need to get Maddox in there, see if he can uh, have some more success with the home dog. But he uh, he doesn't have much success with the picture and staying mm-hmm. still with a piece of paper hanging to his chest. So that's that's why he's out. But um, Well, to be fair, the Maddox, or excuse me, Zeus has not been shooting over those social media pictures either as of late. Uh, he's fair. He's been hiding out. He's been embarrassed. He doesn't want to put his name and his that's, likeness that's to his fair. picks anymore. Yeah, he is. We need to we need to get him back out of his shell. You know, you know the the, the best the best of the best can miss some. So mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll get back in there. But yeah, this was this was Wisconsin's fifteenth straight win over over Purdue. And uh, Purdue, like we said on the podcast, going back to two thousand five, their fourth consecutive loss as a ranked team. So 
Purdue's just uh, they're not they're not top twenty five material, and um, I I feel foolish. Like so, our pick'em we have every week uh, with my buddies, he sets it up like the like the bowl pick'em, you know, so mm. like you do the confidence, like ten points are the one you're most confident about, nine, eight, that kind of thing, and. I put 10 on Purdue. That was the, my <laughs> most confident one. What? And I literally, I missed like two, like two or like three games or something in the whole pick em. And Purdue was one I decided to put a lot of points on. There was a, there was some crazy games though to, to like I got like my five, six, seven, eight, nine, but I missed my 10. It was, uh, it was tough. It's funny because I probably would have picked Wisconsin as my 10. Yeah. That, That's uh, interesting. That is interesting. I should have gone Oklahoma State because I wasn't confident Oklahoma State was going to win, but I was definitely confident that they were going to going to keep it close. But what can you do? You know, life's a dance. You, you learn as you go. Do you have any of those quotes around your house? Do you have any of those? Uh... Oh, that's just a little John Michael Montgomery. I know you know okay. that song. Is that a who? What? That's a '90s country song. Do you know that? Life's a dance. I have not heard that one. Oh man, that's a that's a classic Is it good? right there. I'm gonna oh, check it out. Classic. All right, I'll I'll tune it in. I'll check it out after this. Just the message: life's a dance. You learn as you go. It's true. Sometimes you lead and sometimes you follow. Oh, I've heard this. I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, yeah. it's, a, it's a classic for sure. There you go. There you go. Um, well, let's get into our pick'em games, and then we'll get into the rest of the slate because this was just a crazy slate, Matt Green. Um, Oregon UCLA game day was here. Oregon beat UCLA in a weird way. Um, this was obviously a gigantic game for Chip Kelly. Dorian Thompson Robinson gets knocked out. Uh, Chase Garber's brother Ethan Garber's had to come in. He had a rough ending there for him, and he was pretty devastated. That that stunk for him. But uh, the biggest takeaway for this one for me was just um, Thibodeau could not be defended like that dude's going number one overall to the Detroit Lions next year like that's just it's just done like we can just go ahead and pencil that one in that um that man is going number one overall because it was when you go back and watch the highlights and you just watch the tape of like him getting trying or UCLA trying to block that man it is uh it was a fool's errand because it was not happening he looked like Aaron Donald out there and UCLA had had no answers and the thing is, what's frustrating if you're UCLA too, is that you shut down Trent I. Like they could not run the ball at all. Thirty-five total yards on fourteen carries, and Oregon has had no passing offense whatsoever with Anthony Brown, and he did enough. I mean, he had two late picks that kept UCLA in it, but he he was great through the air. And you're just like, well, we made Anthony Brown beat us, and well, that stinks, and it it happens, but. That's my strongest takeaway is that they, they beat him in a different way. You have to win differently if you want to be an elite team and Oregon won differently, but Oregon's not a playoff team. This is not your typical Oregon. Like Thibodeau is a monster and a Chase Young type, but like this is this is just not a not a playoff caliber group and they're getting they're getting stomped if uh you put them in there. So let's hope that the Pac twelve does not have any representative because Matt, there's no one who who deserves to be in that group as of right now. Yeah, I think um, if you if you look up and you you see you held Oregon at 121 yards rushing, mm-hmm. like you you had to be confident on your ability to win this game. But like you said, they made enough plays in the passing game. 
um, to get it done. And I, I really would have liked to have seen how it could have ended. You know, if if DTR doesn't get hurt there at the end, that was a uh, that was really unfortunate. But um, yeah, I mean, I could I Oregon. I don't get me wrong. Definitely does not look like a top four team to me. But can you get to the playoff on a technicality? Because if Ohio State is as good as kind of everyone thinks they are, like even though that win is so long ago, once the playoff is selected, like that win is still over Ohio State at Ohio State too. Like, can can no one actually think you're a top four team, but you get in just based on on that one like notch on the resume? Well, I think in that scenario, if they're both one loss, you still have to put Oregon in. Like, then games don't matter. I think yeah, it would I mean, set say, such a bad precedent. Exactly. And say we're talking about, you know, say Georgia runs the table and Georgia's undefeated, Cincinnati's undefeated, and Oklahoma's undefeated. Mm-hmm. And then you have one loss Oregon versus one loss Ohio State. It's like, it's really no question you have to put Oregon in. Oh, well, I have a question I, for you. It doesn't have to be Oregon. If you do this whole model, though, what if it's one loss Oregon, one loss Pitt, and one loss Ohio State? Do you give Pitt or Oregon that four spot? I give it to Oregon. Just interesting. Pitt's, Pitt's loss to Western Michigan is just, uh, it's just telling. You know, it's okay. like it sucks because Pitt is going to be penalized for or Wake Forest they are going to be penalized for what Clemson has never been penalized for. You know, and it's like even they'll have a win over Clemson on their schedule, but people are like, oh yeah, Clemson's not good, so that doesn't matter. It's like. That never kept Clemson out of the playoff. But True. I think it's going to keep one of these ACC teams out in the playoff because they don't have the cachet of their name and what they did in the previous season to, to be carrying and the preseason ranking to be carrying them. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that. Um, that's going to be frustrating if that's the, the narrative that comes out of this. But we're so close, Matt Green, to an undefeated Wake Forest versus a one-loss pit team in the ACC title game. We we got several weeks for that to go though. Like Wake Forest has got a long way to go before they get there. Well, speaking of Wake, uh, SMP Plus gives them a one percent chance of finishing the season undefeated. One percent. Do you know who has the highest odds of finishing the season undefeated though? Um, is it Oklahoma? It is not. But in the top three, or, it or is Georgia or Cincinnati. Okay. It is Cincinnati. Almost a fifty percent chance. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a fun fact for you. Yeah, I like it. If you look at their schedule, they have nothing else. And like there's no other big uh big roadblock on their schedule to them getting to twelve and 0. Um Wake versus Army, we we did the the green line stat of the weekend, but Wake Forest is now the number thirteen team in the country, and that is their highest ranking since nineteen forty seven. What Clawson is doing at this group, it doesn't even matter if they, they go undefeated or they run the table. Like they're not winning the national title, but that's not what this is about. It's just this dude doing it with the resources that he has at Wake Forest, um, the smallest school in FBS, and he's just making it work. And this group is incredible to watch. They they fight hard for this for this staff. Um, Army's not not a pushover by any means, and this offense is just humming. Like Clawson's offense is just, whew. It is it is fun to watch, and man, Wake is so likable, and uh, this is just a cool win. Yeah, without a doubt. Like we said, we talked about it a little bit for um, a second ago, but just one of the most absurd shootouts you'll ever see. And honestly, if it weren't for that one, the one pick six, and that that fake field goal they ran, it was there. 
And uh, but I guess you see the difference in arm strength in a, a D1 quarterback versus a, versus a D1 kicker or D1 holder. But um, yeah, so I think it's a solid win for Wake Forest. But looking at their schedule moving forward, I just don't see how they get out of this undefeated. Mm. I um, hmm, I I think it's possible. I just. I think the fact that they've tripped up so much lately, it's kind of like the Oklahoma State thing. Like, I still don't believe Oklahoma is not going to get tripped up with the way what we've seen. Like, to need what they needed to have happen in the Kansas game and to be in it with Kansas for that long, I just I don't believe that Oklahoma is remaining unscathed. Like, I just I don't I don't believe that's happening. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on Wisconsin Purdue? Uh, Jeff Brom, uh, one of the worst offensive performances under Jeff Brom. Um, they had 206 total yards in this one against Whiskey's defense. Like Jim Laird, obviously, is an elite defensive play caller and coach out there in uh, Madison, but this was just a, a brutal, brutal effort after what they did to that amazing Iowa defense the week before. I mean, that's also kind of got to be rough to go from Iowa's defense to Wisconsin's in back-to-back weeks, but 24 attempts for minus 13 yards in the ground, like Wisconsin's defense just, uh, just overwhelmed the Boilermakers. Yeah, without a doubt. I feel like, and then Wisconsin also found an offense apparently too. So, um, was, well, I wouldn't go that far. I don't know if they found an offense. Well, <laughs> their offense managed to to move the football and score points. True, which we ha- we haven't seen them do all year. I mean, yeah, they did, they weren't doing anything differently. Like Graham Mertz had eight attempts, but um, yeah, they, we we finally saw points being scored by the Badgers. Absolutely, which, that's honestly what I was picking against. I was like, well, Purdue just did the they just did this. They played a better Iowa team and they they spanked them. And I think you see, you know, the difference uh, get, winning the turnover battle, you know, that, that just changes the outcome of games. So uh, Purdue clearly wasn't that much better than Iowa. They just had one of those Saturdays where everything came together and Wisconsin, Wisconsin brought them back down to, to where they should be, I guess. For sure. For sure. Um, Pitt, Clemson. This was a mess. This was wild. DJ... Uangule gets benched in the second half of this one. Um, I just, if you had told told me before the season, like we're on this podcast and we're talking with this um, this fortune teller, like we just have them on the pod in July and they, they come to us and they're like, hey, so here's what's going to happen. Before the season's over, uh, Spencer Rattler and DJ Uangule are both getting benched and probably not starting for their team down the stretch. We're like, no, that's that's not happening. What are you talking about? Spencer Rattler's going number one in the draft next year. Uh, DJ, like, what what was the last Clemson quarterback who struggled under Dabo in this group? Like, what what are we talking uh, about here? What what's happening? Kelly Bryant. I mean, uh, not really though. Kelly Bryant was good enough to win a national title. Like, it was he he did not struggle at Clemson. He just well, wasn't Trevor Lawrence. Kelly Bryant was definitely not good enough to win a national title. That's why. That's literally the reason he got. Pitched. No, I disagree. Like, it, no, that was I mean, Kelly Bryant was a game manager, and they got smashed by Alabama in that playoff, the one mm-hmm. year he was the starter, and that they weren't even competitive either. Like the offense couldn't even move the ball. That's why Kelly Bryant was just. He was. I mean, I think he threw like more picks than touchdowns, or like the same number. He threw like thirteen touchdowns, like eleven picks, or something, as one year as the starter, like. He was just super average, and that was honestly Dabo's 100% thinking. He's like, you know, 
we could run the table and beat our entire schedule again this year with Kelly Bryant as the quarterback, but we can't win the national championship with him. And that was why you saw him. And honestly, I feel like you made a, a bold decision to make that decision like four games in, and then it almost cost him after he transferred and Trevor Lawrence got hurt. But obviously that was 20, 20 what, 18? Mm-hmm. But on Saturday, yeah, like, honestly, I don't know who I would have been more surprised to if you just had to say, like, one of these guys, Rattler or Uyunglele, is going to be benched seven games in. I guess it would have been less surprising with Rattler just because you know Caleb Williams is this you know five-star quarterback behind him. But we'd seen him play. like you have, And you also saw Rattler play so much more, and he looked good. So... But in the in the small amounts you'd seen uh, Uyunglele play, like he looked really good too. So it's just it's it is insane to think that we're talking about a Clemson team that I think they've they've scored twenty points one time this entire season. Like this this offense is just it's it's like it's almost it's hard to describe. Like I just I none of us expected Clemson Clemson to drop off like this. And Pitt, if it, if not for that that lost to Western Michigan. I think they had enough preseason like buzz that they they would be in the top 10 right now. Like Wake Forest is like, we're going off of decades of reputation of Wake Forest to kind of like, are you sure? Well, okay, we'll put them ranked. And they just keep winning and now they're up to 13. Like I feel like Pittsburgh had enough respect that if they started the season, you know, especially after beating Tennessee too, where they ranked versus Tennessee, maybe around 25 or so. Like, they would be, like, number six or number seven or, or, or so uh, if they were still undefeated. But that loss to Western Michigan, that really hurts them. Um, but Kenny Pickett, the Kenny Pickett-Heisman talk, is it, is it getting any louder? I mean, he's the favorite. I don't know how you don't have Kenny Pickett in his numbers and what pits offensively just – like, it's – I still can't call him the favorite, though. Then who is the favorite? Like what Matt Corral has done is still more, more impressive than I disagree. Than I don't think Matt Corral like doing this. that at Pitt. I don't think that's happening. Matt Corral is like the ultimate product of the Lane Kiffin offense. It's possible, but also his rushing numbers are like what he's done on the on the ground is is enough for like those Heisman caliber stats and and the fact that he's doing it versus SEC competition. Like you feel like that's going to carry more weight. Like that's that's I think Pittsburgh's biggest thing. It's like. Okay, Kenny Pickett's had good stats. He has like, 23 TDs, one pick, against, you know? 88.1 QBR, third in the country. He's ninth in yards, fourth in TDs, second in picks thrown. I mean, this dude, he, I mean, at home, he's averaging 10.1 yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns, one pick. I mean, you he, 73% uh, you, completion you percentage. Ahead of like uh, uh, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, for sure. See, I don't know about that. Like, He's almost, I don't think Matt he is I need to stop you. This is the Pittsburgh Panthers with Pat Narduzzi. That is what's happening here. Like, Pitt is in play for a college football playoff opportunity. They control their they're own destiny really here. Not, though. They are. If they're, they went out, they're in. They have they a better out, case. No. Yes. They have like a 1% chance of getting in the playoffs. Why? Who's getting in over them? They, it, they have, it has to be madness for them to get in. Why? Because, like, I mean, for one, just looking at the teams, like okay. we, we talked about, Georgia, Cincy, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Wait, let me stop you on Oregon. Cincy, though. Are we sure a one-loss ACC champion is not getting in over Cincinnati? 
It hasn't I happened yet. We haven't put Pittsburgh in a group of five a better yet. Better team than Cincinnati, though. Do I think Pitt is? I think Pitt could beat Cincinnati. I think the the line would be like two or three on a neutral yeah. site. That's I guess they do have a shot uh, of sense of. We've just penciled in an undefeated Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Why? But it's like, why would do you, do you think they're getting in over Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Oregon? Ohio like two lost Alabama. Like, no, Alabama you can't do they're that. They're better than them. But no, you can't do that. Um, no, I wouldn't. I, you you wouldn't. It wouldn't be right to put them in. But I don't know. I, I think they're they're very much in play. I think the the broader point here is that they they're very much in play. Like if they run the table. They have a good shot. Like I don't. It's not a guaranteed shot, but they have a good shot, and I think they might have the Heisman winner on uh, under center. Like I, I would not be surprised if Mac or Macarell, if Kenny Pickett takes him the Heisman uh, this season. We'll see. I'm rooting for According him. According to uh, ESPN's playoff predictor, they have a 15 percent chance of making the playoff. What's Cincinnati's? But um, it's a 67% chance if they run the table and win the conference title. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, but that's like, that's definitely not being in control of your own destiny. You that's know, 7 like and that's 10, almost. Yeah, but I'm saying if Ohio State runs the table, they're in almost, it's like 90-something percent. You know, Oregon runs the table, they're probably ninety percent in. Like Oklahoma, that would be silly to me. Oregon's not a better team than Pitt. Like they're just not. Yeah, but I mean, the, the resume says otherwise. I think the resume, Oregon's resume, is definitely more impressive than Pittsburgh's to this point. But I think it's just that that one loss on Pitt's schedule. It's just a it's a really bad loss. Like that's true. Just, and I just think that that. I mean, Western main. Michigan's not terrible. They're pretty solid pretty solid group of five team this year or yeah but for group of five they're mm-hmm. pretty solid and you know being wake forest like that's the thing is like that's going to be your big win and well, i think no their big wins res- over the tennessee volunteers <laughs> of course but no one's gonna respect the wake forest win so you're like hey we got we got a top 20 win over here and people are like well yeah that's wake forest like whatever that's that's fine like so no that that's not going to be enough that might be enough to get them into the top 10 but I just, I think at the end of the day, I, I don't, I don't see it working out for them. Like they're not going to be, get benefit of the doubt that like Clemson has gotten for for all these years. That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, let's move move forward here. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oh, actually, the last thing on Clemson Pitt that I want to mention. So the offense is sputtering. Clemson out of the playoff. They're on their way to play in Tennessee in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I, I saw today. That would be an absolute delight because Tennessee is drubbing this Clemson team. If <laughs> they are drubbing, easy, easy with drubbing now. I can't wait for the folks to see what happens in two weeks. So like, Clem- or Tennessee gets a bye this week, uh, but then they go to Lexington. I think I'm going to make the trip. But the, what they're going to do in uh, in in bluegrass country, um, it's it's going to be rough. Like they're in for a rude awakening in Wildcat territory. Um, they're gonna beat the brakes off that the Wildcats. Like that's that's coming. Tennessee is the number three team in the East. Um, maybe the number two. Well, I mean, we'll see against you, George. You think they're gonna beat the brakes off Kentucky? I do. I don't think Kentucky can score enough. I think Tennessee's offense, especially with the, the healthier they get, the buy and getting everybody back, there's just too much explosion. Like there's just too much explosion on this Tennessee offense. Um, yeah, that's in uh, that's in Lexington, right? It is. 
So that'll be an interesting. I was just looking at that week, trying to kind of figure out when. I mean, it's gonna t- tomorrow. The the game times are gonna come out, but uh, I was trying to kind of figure out when some of those games are gonna be. There's a. I'm gonna guess a it's of, a night game, right? It's probably this uh, the ESPN or be, network. I think it'll be the ESPN night game. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think Alabama LSU is that week. It's like that might be the the noon ESPN game at this point. Mm. Like with Auburn A&M I think should be that should be the 330 CBS yeah, yeah exactly and then Georgia Missouri that day Oof. feels like one of those like 7 o'clock SEC network games you know like that's a Jefferson some, Pilot sports game right there yeah something like <laughs> well but but Tennessee South Carolina is that day too and assuming like no not Tennessee current, South Carolina or I mean Florida South Carolina okay. is that day too so like, assuming that Georgia beats South Carolina or Georgia beats Florida. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, Florida, that has all the makings of a noon <laughs> game. Like no one cares about that. So yeah, but then you got Ole Miss Liberty too that day. So the Hugh Freeze game. So there's, but Liberty there's, uh, has been awful as of late. That's lost a lot of luster. True. That that's probably a SEC Network Plus game or something. Who knows? But what's funny is just that that's going to have the most amount of NFL personnel of any game in the college football season this year just for Matt Corral and Malik Willis, who both uh, are in play for first-round quarterbacks. So Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but, oh, the reason I bring I brought that all back to Clemson real quick, Davo already had to say no to, to LSU this week, kind of, but he didn't really give a definitive answer. It seemed erroneous, or maybe not even erroneous. It just seemed very unlikely. It seemed... It, 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 I couldn't wrap my head around Davo leaving Clemson. Like, it's just... He has a monopoly on the ACC... Um, he's built this juggernaut where no one's anywhere anywhere close to Clemson until this year. Like everything's. Oh well, yeah, off. I was about to say. But that's why I'm saying it. Where I'm like, I couldn't imagine a situation where Dabo because I had said before that like Clemson's probably the best Power Five job in the country. Um, you're almost guaranteed a playoff spot. Like their schedule is just so weak and their talent differential is just so so large that I, I mean it's just amazing it's just the factory that there's just I don't see how it slows down and then of course it just slows down and you're like okay what if Dabo did like LSU is a better job than Clemson would you like to guess how many of the last three LSU football coaches did not win national titles Matt Green well I happen to know that all three did win win, win titles yeah like it. we talked about on the pod last week it's a top three job in college football. Like it's, I mean, Clemson's in the top five, also, but like also, LSU's Ed in there. Ed wasn't even a good coach. And he won a title. title. Yeah. And I honestly think you can question how good of a coach Les Miles was. Cause mm-hmm. like that, that man didn't even seem like he knew what the hell was going on in the football program. Like he, he seemed like the ultimate, like figurehead, like personality, like type coach. So like he made some of the worst just game management, clock management decisions like ever. So and he won he like LSU's resources couldn't prevent him from winning a championship. So yeah, LSU I feel like is is that short list, but but Dabo it's a better job, but Dabo would just be crazy to go anywhere. Like if Dabo was leaving for anywhere other than Alabama, it's it's just I wouldn't want to solve, I wouldn't want to follow Saban if I'm Dabo. I have no interest in the yeah, job. I have I, no I, interest I, in that. I agree with that, but that's the only place that even makes any. No, sense LSU at all. makes sense. That is a few like Georgia and LSU make sense. See, but I just don't. I I think Dabo, Dabo just did his own thing at Clemson. I think as a new guy, I just don't think he's gonna create the same kind of buzz. Like he, it's like you. I don't know. Wait, like, hold on. Did you just say you don't think Dabo would create any buzz in Baton Rouge? 
I don't think he he didn't just come in with the same cachet though. Like, oh, he one hundred percent does. See, I I just don't I don't agree. I think Clemson's kind of doing their own thing, like they're doing it their own way. Like when I say the the cachet, I mean like if if year one he comes into LSU and loses three or four games, it's like well you didn't win a championship for us, so we don't really get we don't care what you did at Clemson in twenty sixteen and in twenty eighteen. Like if you don't want anything for us quickly like you're out of here like there's no there's no built-in rapport with the fan base you know like at Clemson he's on his own terms like they could have a losing they could have two losing seasons in the next two years and his he's not even on the hot seat like he can do whatever he wants at Clemson I just I think he'd be making a huge mistake to go anywhere honestly but Alabama's the only one I think you could even justify just because it's so much better than everywhere else Obviously, what you're inheriting from Saban is just so much better than everyone else, and the fact that he is front played at Alabama that that just that's the only one that makes any sense at all to me for him to leave. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I am so curious to see who gets the LSU job. I I, I would like go ahead and pencil in Franklin at USC, but like I have no earthy idea where we were talking about that this weekend. But yeah. with Penn State. Like, if you look at their schedule, like, they got Ohio State coming up. They got Michigan, Michigan State. Oof. Like, this team could lose three more games. And if they lose three more games, a 7-5, and five, like, you're LSU. You're the hottest job in the entire country. You're going to go take the guy that was going 7-5 and five at Penn State? Like, I mean, to be fair, he has been incredibly successful. Are they, aren't they still in, like, the top five in recruiting for the 2022 cycle? Like, they're... They are Franklin. It's one of those misleading. It's one of those misleading top fives. Like when Tennessee mm. was in the top five a couple years ago. Like, or was that two, was that last year, the twenty twenty mm. class when they had like twenty six commits in the middle of June, July. That like sounds the, correct. Or, yeah. You know, like the third or fourth ranked class, but it's like if you see the, it's just a full class. Penn State has like twenty five commits right now. Like once everyone else starts catching up and getting as many, as many on guys on board. It's a top 10 class. Maybe. I was going to say, he it's still gets high. enough to be in the blue chip ratio. Like, he's still good yeah, enough yeah. to win a national title. He recruits well enough to win a national title. And if you give him the USC resources, like, I don't know. I, I think the that would USC be a... makes sense to me. That's what I'm saying. I didn't. LSU. I don't think he's a slam dunk for LSU. I think that would kind of be a... Okay. I don't think that would be a sexy hire, but I... LSU could go take someone's NFL coach, honestly. Like, but what LSU makes it funny to me is, like, I think Franklin would not be a sexy LSU name, but, like... Mel Tucker is getting all this praise, and I'm like, okay, hold on. The Mel Tucker at Michigan State, what he's doing is great. Like, it's awesome. They're undefeated. We'll see what happens this weekend in the big house. But, like, okay, James Franklin revitalized Vanderbilt. He was winning double-digit games at Vanderbilt. He has put Penn State in a position to be in the playoff. That's close to double-digit at Vanderbilt. Nine wins at Vanderbilt is going undefeated like i just it's that's insanity so the i saw some like james franklin as a fraud stuff after that like that always pops up when teams like that and coaches like that lose but i'm like no 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 no. james franklin is not a fraud james franklin is an elite top 10 college football coach like your program would be beneficial outside of a couple different ones from having him as your head coach like this is preposterous and that's true i mean lsu would get better yes like i would all but my broader point was that like who is the safer bet between Franklin and Mel Tucker to win at LSU? And I think the answer is easily Franklin, but I think Mel Tucker would inspire more excitement for some reason. That's, I think it's sometimes 
the the known versus the unknown mm-hmm. and it's you feel like with franklin he's been around long enough to know he's really good but he might not be great whereas mel tucker is is the mystery box you know and so you're like well this guy could be he could be as great as anybody he just hasn't done it yet um it's definitely the riskier hire i think the safer hire definitely feels like franklin and honestly just talking with you just now about it i feel like i'm more on board with franklin to lsu than I was at the start of this conversation because, like I said before, like Ed Orgeron, we know was not a good coach. I'm personally questioning how good of a coach Les Miles was. Franklin comes into LSU, you know he's a good coach, and with how the way LSU is basically able to recruit their their region better than like any other program, I feel like just locking down the the in-state guys. Like LSU just always has that elite talent. A coach like Franklin could definitely win win championships. If you're Lincoln Riley, would you listen? Um, that's tough because you're moving to the SEC anyway. Yeah, it, that's that's tough because, like we talk about, there's certain programs. Like I think we kind of talk LSU, Georgia, and Alabama, or those three big jobs. But like I feel like Oklahoma and Ohio State are those outside the SEC that are just as good as the SEC jobs. And they're even in that that group with Clemson. They're better than Clemson as programs, but as far as not having to play the SEC, obviously Oklahoma will have to play the SEC moving forward. But I, I think... Can right I tell now, you who I, my pick is based on what I've listened to in the reporting of this? What's that? Seems like Scott Woodward is a swing for the fences guy. Like he's going big game hunting. Like he's probably going to call Saban about coming back. Yeah, I I, I do feel like it's going to be a, a, a home run swing for sure. I think it's either going to be like Bob Stoops or Chris Peterson. Mm, Chris Stoops Peterson. coached in the XFL recently. People forget he's not. He hasn't been like retired. Like I don't think he may love the idea at getting back into recruiting. He's only sixty one. He's only sixty one. Stoops wouldn't excite me. I feel like if I was an LSU fan, Mark Stoops would excite me almost more than Bob Stoops. I'm talking about the name stuff. Woodward doesn't, like, I think Mark Stoops has done a tremendous, tremendous job in uh, Lexington. I just think the vibe I'm getting in when you read between the tea leaves, you know, listen to the reporting, read the reporting, it seems like this dude's going big, big game hunting. He's just going for a home run because, like we said, the last three coaches have won national titles. Like, you, the resources there are insane like it's it's but it seems to me like wouldn't that drive you to pick make the safest move possible because it's like well we got a guys that are lunatics that would came and coach that can win championships here if we just get a normal guy do you know who i would call my first pick limit who's that brian kelly yeah. Can you Brian imagine Kelly. Brian Kelly with those resources and him to be able to turn the narrative where they're like, oh, people think I, I can't win the big one because I can't beat Alabama and Clemson in succession or Ohio State or whatever? Give me LSU rosters. <laughs> yeah, and, and then when you talk about it, like I think ultimately Lincoln Riley is safe because I think that's a, that's a lateral move. Like mm-hmm. LSU isn't better than Oklahoma. You know, like it's it's just as good. I would say it's better, like, but not by o- much. Yeah, I think it is, but yeah, it's not enough to just to just up and leave like same with ryan day like lsu isn't better enough than ohio state i think it might be incrementally better job if we're having to come up with a list but it's 
it's as t- it's the top of the top of college football. But those I feel like Saban, Kirby, Ryan Day, and Lincoln Riley seem like the only names that are off limits for LSU. It seems like other than that, they could they could get whoever they they could potentially get whoever they want. Like Luke Fickle, they want him. Brian Kelly, they want him. Like any other coach in college football seems like they could potentially leave wherever they're at for LSU and it would be an upgrade. Chris Peterson, that just doesn't feel like like reading that article uh, we read mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast a few months back, that just doesn't feel like something Chris Peterson would do. Like LSU, like he got burnt out going from Boise State to Washington. Like I just highly... But what if you did the Ed Orgeron thing? You just did it for like three to four years, wanna do a whole recruiting cycle, win a natty, and then retire again. Because I and yeah, it's possible. I think there's some guys that are wired that way that are like, I just wanted to prove it to myself, I mm. can do it, kind of thing. That's how I that's why I feel Urban Meyer is probably gonna end up back in college somewhere else, you know. Just that competitive I really drive. Hope not. <laughs> Who knows? But Chris Peterson does not seem like that guy that's just like, I don't know, that that didn't get enough, that's just like still fiending. He seems like the kind of guy that's like content in what he's accomplished as a coach. Like he might get back into coaching, but being the coach at at LSU and the SEC, like that's right back into the fire. Like that doesn't seem like just, not that I know who, not that I know him as a person at all, but just his like persona that just doesn't seem like something he would do. That's fair. That's fair. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, quickly, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, my biggest takeaway from this game was, did you see the touchdown that was called back in this one? Yeah, that was just trash. What like, What are we doing here? Like, the players don't want this. The fans don't want this. Like, who cares? And but honestly, it wasn't even it was, egregious. It like, you, like, It looked like you could see him stop like he thought about high stepping the end zone and he did it like one step he's like oh wait i can't do that and then he just like went to the end zone like it was just like one high step was enough to get a touchdown and where did it called back to like the, the 20 is like a 15 yard penalty from like the spot yeah like that's a that's such a trash ruling for for what happened on the field like ncaa come on let the kids play as they say just preposterous just preposterous yeah i thought oklahoma state was gonna find a way to somehow pull this win out too that's just what they've done a whole season they just haven't really looked impressive and then fourth quarter comes they're in a position to win and uh the luck ran out the luck ran out maryland minnesota have you looked at the disparity between the terps beginning of the season versus it's like the how it started versus how it going uh meme have you seen this <laughs> No, I haven't. Well, I mean, just like look at their schedule. Have you perused what their scores have been through this court point in the season? Do, I would you like we me were, to read it off uh, to we you? We were all high on them when they were uh, scoring points early on. Can I read you what happened to this season? Yeah. Okay. Hit. Beat West Virginia 30-24. Great opening win. Beat Howard 62 to nothing. Beat Illinois 20-17. to Beat Kent State 37-16. Since that game, since that Kent State game on September 25th, 51 to 14 against Iowa, 66 to 17 against Maryland, 34 to 16 against Minnesota. I mean, just when you talk about the wheels coming off from what was a promising season, I just this I mean, injuries are a part of it with them, but goodness gracious. 
Maryland is is quite not ready, and Minnesota is just uh, they're they're solid. Minnesota is just solid. PJ Fleck, another name maybe to watch out for the LSU job. That dude is just solid, and what he's doing in Minnesota is pretty pretty impressive. And he actually gives me a LSU coach vibe anyway. But um, yeah, yeah, Maryland and Maryland's got the, the the luck of being like that SEC West team that that also has Georgia and Florida mm-hmm. on the schedule too from the east. So it's hard like, to judge how much progress they're making cuz they're just yeah. getting blasted by the best of the best, but then there there are some good wins sprinkled in there, but it's just yeah, I don't know. But yeah, 4 and 3 like I, you could you could convince me that they might not win another game this season. Yeah, like, that schedule's brutal. Rutgers and Indiana like maybe. I think they split those. Yeah, maybe. And then the other 3 I think are losses. Yeah. So we'll we'll see not not great for the terps speaking of not great boston college without phil Dracovic. unfortunately i didn't sell my boston college stock while it was high you know mm-hmm. but uh i have i have sold the stock and you have moved they on. are they are one of now two winless teams in the acc <laughs> in conference play so who is the other oh and three duke, duke. yeah okay yeah so not great. Even Florida State and Syracuse are ahead of them in the Atlantic standings at this point. So they are uh, they're not going to be going to Charlotte anytime soon. Yikes. Uh, San Diego State. Unless they're just playing NC State and they just happen to be down in Charlotte. I don't know. Oh, poor NC State Wolfpack. <laughs> poor Wolfpack. Um, Air Force Falcons fall um, to the San Diego State Aztecs. A really gutsy win from from the Fighting Brady hoax here. Um, my stat for you. So they bottled up. Essentially, what happened here is San Diego State's good defense, the rushing defense, bottled up Air Air Force. We talked about it before the game. If Air Force could run on this defense, then they were probably going to win. If they can't, they'll lose because that's the Air Force offense. And they only ran for 192 yards. They averaged 336 coming in. Didn't happen. Lost the game. All that being said, so there is this punter slash kicker on San Diego State. Last name Areza. Matt Green, this man got off an 81-yard punt in the first quarter. It was, like, this is preposterous. I pulled this from the AP. It was the second consecutive week Areza had an 80-plus-yard punt. This man is also their field goal kicker. So in this, like, he also had a 50-plus-yard field goal. Back-to-back weeks, this man has had an 80-plus-yard punt and a 50-plus-yard field goal. What is what is this man going first round in the NFL draft next year? What what is this? Do the Raiders have a uh, do they have a pick in the end of the first round? They I was might, gonna say, might, man, might take a chance on him. Um, no, mad respect for that though. Like, I always respect a good punter. Punters are not respected enough. Punter slash kicker, sir, just an all around special teamer. But kickers get respect. I feel like the kickers put up the points. Like they get the glory, get the game winning field goals. The punter, the way they can flip the field position, mm-hmm. not enough, not enough respect to those punters out there. That's fair. That's fair. That's my, that's my PSA. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, Nevada, Fresno, Nevada left, let me down. Uh, Carson S- Strong set a uh, school record: forty-nine completions on sixty-one attempts in one game. Um, threw for four seventy-six. Dude passed all over Fresno, but Fresno still pulls it out. A little bit more efficient. Nevada can't run the football whatsoever. Uh, played from behind, but uh, yeah, tried a late, late fourth quarter comeback. 
came up just short. I heard uh, someone. I don't want to toot my own horn. That's just how just how I've called it. Okay. To be honest, okay. it was. Uh, I knew these two passing offenses uh, could could keep up, but uh, Fresno's ability to run that's what that's what kept him honest. But what were you gonna say? Jay Norvell. Um, this was like the, the the two coaches in this one are both going to be power five coaches and probably going to be really elite ones wherever they go. Um, Jay Norvell with Nevada and um, the OC from Indiana's Fresno's coach, uh, Kalen DeBoer, um, both great and would not be surprised if both are Pac-12 coaches next year. I think it was uh, Bruce Feldman who said that um, watch out for Jay Norvell for Washington State um, as that job came open. So name to keep it that'd be a home run hire for 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 the kooks if they could pull that off norvell's gonna be great wherever he goes but i think these days i think you're seeing less and less of those moves because a guy at nevada just like you can do your own thing at nevada and have some success and then once you go to a low level power five team it's not always an upgrade so i feel like you're seeing like yeah, Washington State's in the Pac-12, but that's not a good Pac-12 job. So I could I could even see someone like that holding out for something better. He's held out for a while, though, and the, the risk of that, because there's a risk it for a biscuit situation, Matt, and <laughs> it's that do you believe that you can make this sustainable? Do you believe that Nevada can be sustainably winnable for enough time for you to get the the job that you really want right because the bottom can fall out and then i mean after going eight and four three years in a row at nevada or whatever and then having a couple four and eight years after a couple bad recruiting classes or you get killed in the portal and that just upends a couple seasons like that's a possibility and then you fall off the radar so i don't know it's fair but if you're a good coach i don't it doesn't seem like that kind of thing typically happens because if you're truly a power five level coach that's it that's in the mountain west that's in the american or something mm-hmm. like that the ac you're usually out coaching the guys at your level so yeah if you if you start to go four and eight well then you're probably gonna fail at washington state anyway but i think i think there's just a lot of these good coaches that you can continue doing your good thing at coastal carolina at uh at university of louisiana and those those power five schools are noticing that's true and i also wonder if this is going to be an interesting fallout of the the playoff expanding to 12 this fall is that i wonder how many of these group of five coaches are like well because the power five is gone like that's something that's not talked about is like once that expands the group of five and power five model is is gone like there's no group of five there's no power five it's the 12 best teams get picked right and if you're a group of five school and you schedule well and you schedule well enough and you see like Cincinnati and maybe another undefeated group of five who just uh, take some chances on the calendar. Like I think we'll see the BYUs of the world, the Boise's, whatever they get opportunities. So you're like, if you're Andy Avalos and you build another juggernaut at Boise, why would you leave for, for the Cougs or whatever? Like you can just make the playoff and win a bunch of games in Boise. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're just, you've seen a lot of these guys. I know like uh, Chad Morris is one mm-hmm. that we like to talk about a lot. It's just, that they took that low level power five job. Obviously Sam Pittman's doing a lot better with Arkansas than Chad Morris ever was, but just because it's power five, some guys are seeing it doesn't necessarily make it a better job than the previous one you were at. The money's better though. So it's hard to talk people out of that. 
but it's different priorities, different strokes for different folks. Um, South, uh, South, Southern California, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Did you see the light show before this one? I did. That's pretty cool looking. That was the best one I've seen thus far after everyone who's done it, like Georgia, Tennessee did it a couple weeks ago, or I guess it was a week ago now. Um, a lot of different schools are adopting this as more and more money gets pumped into these stadiums, but it was pretty cool. Uh, the Irish, who have had problems on the offensive line with injuries, people being in and out all year, they were able to run, run on USC, and uh, they only gave up one sack with Jack Cohn under center. This was the most complete Notre Dame's looked in a while. They're, I think, 11th in the AP poll at the moment. Um, they're fine. Good win. But it was just weird to see, like, just there was no buzz for this game. Like, none. Like, I think before the season, we would have circled this as, like, oh, I can't wait for this one. This one might decide a playoff spot, right? Like, Notre Dame-USC before the season could have decided a playoff spot. Now it was just a, just another game. And it just I, – that bums me out during the season where I'm like, man, I would have loved to have been excited about – Notre Dame USC on a Saturday night that would have been nice to be really really amped up for that but we didn't have it yeah and I think that's what people mean when they say you know college football is better when when x program is good when Mm. when y program is good I think that's that's kind of what people were talking about is we got this USC Notre Dame game one of the better rivalries in in all of sports is it is this this is one of those had the trophy the chalet right the the jeweled chalet or yeah Mm. that's what I was thinking um. Yeah, this used to be like one of the cooler rivalries uh, in college football. Charlie Weiss got a contract extension for almost winning this game. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, USC—they just come up. They've fallen a, a long way, and so there's just just nothing really to talk about with this game. I, I did you see the video before this game of the player being interviewed about the weather? I did not. So, someone told him that. Like, is he ready for the, the the cold in Indiana? He's like, no, I've never been to Indiana. And they like, they said, yeah, I heard it's gonna be in the 40s. And this man said, did you say 40? Like, <laughs> his his eyes just lit up. Like, it was hilarious, honestly. Like, once I saw that, I saw some tweet. It was like Notre Dame by a hundred, you know. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. But yeah, Notre Dame. Like, yeah, they look solid, but they still don't look like anything impressive necessarily. Like, they don't really scare you. I feel like this USC team just isn't good. I'm just really curious to see uh, what USC is moving forward. I I, I can't wait to see uh, how this coaching search ends. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I wonder if they get hurt by the LSU opening. I wonder if how much that affects them and if Miami opens up. Um, there's just going to be a lot of dominoes because I think some good coaches are going to leave good programs. So we're going to see other jobs come open just because they got plucked by somebody else. So I'm this, I think this coaching cycle is going to be nuts. The vibe I'm getting is this coaching coaching cycle is going to be pretty bonkers. Um, last game on our pick them, Utah, Oregon state. What did I say going in? If the bees were able to run the ball, like they've been running the ball the last four weeks with BJ Baylor, just an absolute stud, the best running back you haven't, you haven't heard of folks stay up or be like me and watch it uh, on Sunday mornings. Watch, watch the bees in action, but um, 260 on the ground for OSU 468 total against a very good Utah defense um, in this game. Cause PAC 12 after dark, like it's just a, it's a delight. Um, it's a delight. There was a block punt, uh, an ejection, and just uh, all kinds of great stuff in this one. So I would highly encourage the folks who did not watch this one, watch this one all the way through. Very much enjoyed it. Utah's offense was great as well. Kyle Whittingham 
and Jonathan Smith, two of the best coaches that uh, you might not be all that familiar with, but Jonathan Smith is an absolute star, and what he has done at Oregon State and Corvallis is phenomenal. So shout out to the Beavs. They have one too many losses to really get into some Rose Bowl type stuff, but uh, yeah, great, great stuff from from the they Beavers. They can still at home. win. They can still win the Pac-12 though. Like they can. They, have, they just have the one conference loss. I cannot so. wait for the Civil War. It's gonna be bonkers. Like people should be ready because I think the Beavs should be favored in that one. You know about the 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 doomsday scenario happening in the in the Pac-12 right now. Though. BYU being crowned because they're undefeated in the Pac-12. <laughs> Honestly, yes, but Utah is. That was their fir- that was their first loss of the of the Pac-12 season. They're mm. four and three on the year, but three and one in the Pac-12. The other team that's three and one in the Pac-12 right now is Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Like Utah has that win over Arizona State. So Utah with the two losses out of conference, like this is just has all the makings of <laughs> one of these ugly conference championship games where it's number eight, number seven playing an unranked team and. Utah somehow figures out how to get in the conference championship at like eight and three, and they beat Oregon or something. Yeah, like it's it's not looking good. Like Arizona State and UCLA coming out of the South. Obviously, USC was the original pick for uh, to come out of the South. It's like all those like carried weight. Like I picked Utah to win the South. Like you remember that? Like I was a believer in Charlie Brewer, but I I jumped off the ship weeks ago, and now. They still have a chance to be in the South, and I think it's more of an indictment on the Pac-12 South right now than really than Utah being a, a legit contender. Absolutely. Well, let's run through the rest of the games. On Friday night, Arizona came within five points of beating the Washington Huskies 21-16. Just an absolute... Like, John Donovan still having a job as the OC of Washington is just preposterous. Um, Jimmy Lake's in trouble, potentially. Defense is still great, but this is this is unacceptable if you're you're a Husky fan. This is just bad. And Arizona is probably the worst Power Five team in the country. Um, Cincinnati twenty seven, Navy twenty, OU thirty five, KU twenty three. What would you what, what is your final answer on the the Caleb Williams lateral? Well, to me, I I was uh, definitely saying Kansas got hosed because I felt like the running back crossed the line of scrimmage and then got pushed back but by the rule they're saying the whole body has to be past the line of scrimmage so i think they may have gotten it right it was just lame honestly <laughs> like kansas got the stop like it was a fourth down stop like it was a heads up play by caleb williams but i just i'm so skeptical when plays like that happen and they benefit the offense because like we saw with matt corral the tennessee the sack they got um, and stripped him and took it back for a touchdown. They ruled that the forward progress had already stopped and blew the play dead. Like, if Kansas rips that ball out and forces a fumble, where like in the same instance Caleb Williams rips it out, like, do they give him that fumble or is is forward progress stopped? You know, I kind of have a feeling forward progress is stopped. So, I don't know. I just I felt I felt watching it live. Like it's obviously a heads up play by him, but it felt illegal. Like, it felt like it just shouldn't have stood, but I, I think by the letter of the law, they, they didn't technically do anything wrong. I like it. I like it. Um, but Oklahoma's in trouble, man. Like, having to mess around with Kansas, like, 
Like, Caleb Williams talking- is a star. I think it was Richard Johnson who made this point on uh, Splits on Duo today. My walk, I was listening to it. I've just let, like, he's like, I can't prove this, but if Spencer Rattler was the quarterback in this one, they lose to Kansas. And I think he's right if you watch this game. Like, I Caleb Williams did believe. this. I 100% believe that. And I think that's why, like, with Lincoln Riley, man, like, if, if Georgia gave up 35 points at halftime, Georgia's down 35, even in 35-28 to Vanderbilt at halftime, are we calling Kirby Smart a, def- a defensive genius? Like, this guy's a defensive genius, and he's losing, or offensive guru, offensive wonder kid, whatever they want to call him. Down 10-0 to Kansas at halftime? You're like an offensive guru. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like, even those fourth down plays, like, the the one t- Caleb Williams broke for a touchdown and that one they got the, the first down, like, that was individual brilliance on Caleb Williams' part. Like, that wasn't a good offensive – that game was not a good offensive uh, game plan. Like, they did not execute well. Like, I think I thought the, the star quarterback bailed out Lincoln Riley multiple times in this one. Fair, fair. But shout-out to Lance Leopold. Toughest job maybe in the Power Five outside of Vanderbilt. So, hey, being in it. As long as he was, I think that's a win for the program. Shout out to Kansas for uh, blowing up all their students' email. Like, hey, <laughs> there's a game going on. We guys know you didn't. You're not there because we're looking at the stadium. You should come. And then an hour later, being like, it, we don't even care if you have your student ticket. Just, just get out there. Anyone can come in. Absolutely. That was awesome. Absolutely. Um, let's keep moving here. Michigan 33 and you seven ohio state 54 um indiana seven um this season's working out like exactly how we predicted like ohio state was vulnerable at the start of the year and now you know things are things are happening they're uh coming together and they're looking like the class of the big 10 once again tennessee 24 bama 52 if you did not watch this game this score makes it just tells a completely different story like after 45 minutes (laughs) tennessee was very much in this one they ran out of gas didn't have the bodies but um just pound like they like there was so much questionable stuff like tennessee lost a timeout because they reviewed a touchdown fumble call um where bryce young did fumble um and then a tennessee player did leave the pile with the ball but they did say that uh he recovered in the end zone so we never got like a clear picture of that so i don't really know what happened there it, it's whatever tennessee like you could clearly see that bryce young recovered the phone no because he didn't know he didn't like the person who left the pile with the ball was a tennessee player yeah that's that's uh that's tough um, but either way, like Tennessee lost the timeout, and that's what the gift came from of Hypel saying that's BS. Is that like they still took a timeout because they said it was a challenge? But it's like every touchdown is reviewable. So what are you talking about? So that happened. Um, the broadcast was atrocious. Like Greg McElroy and I forgot who was in the booth with him, <laughs> but it was it was that Tessator. No, it wasn't Tessator. It was the guy who's also the White Sox play-by-play guy. But um, I think it's Jason something. But it was it was not good it, it was a really bad broadcast and um uh, there were some really questionable calls in this one uh bryce young struggled there was a lot of a lot of issues with uh their offense uh brian I robinson I still... say bryce young struggled though he did I thought this was one of the more impressive games i thought i'd seen from bryce young because i felt like we finally saw what he's capable of doing with his legs that was like, the thing yes but that's like the been the the crux for the tennessee defense like when emory jones matt corral and bryce young 
them getting out in space, Tennessee has done a really, really rough job of covering running quarterbacks. When they move on third and long, because Bryce Young had some backbreaker third down runs, and that was huge. But um, he was he was good. Like Bryce Young's good, but I don't know. There's just something about this Alabama team. Like there was, we had another block punt in this one. Um, Alabama's offense was just clunky to me. Like I don't. They ran Brian Robinson a lot. Like they were not featuring anybody else in this one for the most part. Um, some key drops by Alabama players. Yeah, they had yeah. a lot of. Uh, penalties in this one Tennessee that's, was not able to run it. on them at all and that was something that Tennessee has been able to do like Hinton Hooker was not right like he was not wanting to run he was clearly not 100% from last week um, but he fought through it but yeah Tennessee was not able to run whatsoever and they still had Alabama on the ropes going into the fourth quarter like on the ropes I mean Heupel punted in uh, on fourth and one took a delay game when the balls were down uh, one touchdown and then Alabama had a long drive touchdown to go up two scores and then uh, that was when Tennessee immediately responded with uh, uh, the big bomb to Tillman but yeah I don't know I, I was not impressed by Alabama in this one I don't think Alabama is the same like there's just something off with them this year they do a lot of dumb stuff yeah, they don't seem the same disciplined Alabama team mm-hmm. that they always are. Like, in terms of, you know, we saw, like, the penalties and just, yeah, kind of dumb stuff that you just never see Alabama teams do. But at the same and, – and just giving up the, the huge chunk plays. Like, Tennessee just was carving them up with, with some big plays offensively. And I feel like – what was it, 31-24 after Tennessee scored in the fourth quarter – and then uh, once that that bad interception happened, that really seemed to just kind of that was a backbreaker. The, yeah, that seemed to be everything. I think they were up 38-24 mm-hmm. uh, at that point. So like Tennessee was driving to kind of stay in the game. So once that happened, that was really all she wrote. Um, but yeah, I think I, I kind of feel the same way. Like this Alabama team is definitely still a, a great team. Like I think offensively, they're about as good as it, any team in the country. I think Bryce Young, what, what throws me off about Bryce Young is like they he came after Tua and Mac Jones, and so it's like, well, he's just going to keep doing the th- same thing Tua and Mac Jones are doing, and the stats all look the same, but he hasn't necessarily done it the same way. It seems like it's a lot of, a lot of short stuff, a lot of, a lot of dumping it off to the, to the running backs, a lot of these RPOs where you throw it to a guy behind the line of scrimmage, and the Alabama playmakers just kind of make plays, you know? This was the first game that I felt Bryce Young looked remotely like a Heisman Trophy winner. Like, I felt like he at least looked like the playmaker he's getting hyped up to be and not just the the cog in, in the machine that's like, oh, the quarterback's hitting open receiver here. Like, that's kind of what he had been to this point. It was just the offense is working, he hits the open guy, touchdown, it works. He wasn't necessarily doing anything to stand out. I feel like this game, he was required to actually make some plays, keep some plays alive with his legs. And, yeah, he was he was making Tennessee defenders look bad um, when he was when he was actually running the ball. So I was I was impressed by Bryce Young. I think with with what because we're obviously considering Georgia every time you watch Alabama, kind of how they match up with each other. And I think this is. This is what it's going to take for a team to to give this Georgia defense a uh, a hard time. It's going to be someone who can legitimately, you know, expose the defense vertically. So I'm definitely interested in how it's going to shake out. But obviously, Georgia, we got to see him get past Florida and get through Knoxville first. 
we'll see um we'll see it's gonna be a fun one at the very least but i told prince because people are getting excited i'm like george is gonna be a much like bama is not i don't think anywhere near especially with the front seven of what george is throwing like tennessee can't block um they're they're really banged up right now on the offensive line and hooker is getting beat his brains being like jordan davis and carter and and Wyatt. like it's it's i i don't think the downfield shots are not going to be there because I don't think Hooker's going to have time to get those reads and get those those plays off. The the only way to get a, get through it is the oh that was the other thing is McElroy just talking about like slowing it down, slowing it. Down. And I'm like okay, for folks who are not aware, when you don't have the talent and when you only practice tempo and when the only advantage you have against Bama and what Saban talked about all week was that like you can't prep for Tennessee because you can't prep for those kinds of tempo and that kind of game plan. Like it's just really really difficult to practice for. Um, for him to be like, we should slow it down and just uh, really like you're getting ahead of themselves too much. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, 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 no. I think you have a fundamental misunderstanding of how Tennessee stays in a football game with Alabama with the current state of their roster. And that is tempo, 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 and then hope that that works because. But you got to do some of that, that fake tempo sometimes, you know, like no huddle, but then run the, run the play clock down to 10 or something like that. Like I feel like if you're going too fast, and you're just going point for point with Alabama, just not many teams are going to be able to hang. Like, but that's the like only way you're going to be able to hang if you're Tennessee is what I'm saying. No, I hear you. I think, I think you have to, it's gotta be some kind of combination of keeping the ball out of the offense's hands too. Like that has to be part of the, the defensive approach as well. Like they, their, their offense can't score points when they're not on the field. That's true. It's, but it's tough. Like if you're not able to consistently run the ball on them, like it's tough to play that way. All right. Well, are you ready for our last segment of the night? Our sticker segment, Matt Green, where we plant a sticker on a helmet and or headset of our favorite coaches and players of the weekend and remove one from those who did not deserve it. Um, I have my ads. Do you have your ads? Yes, sir. Okay. BJ Baylor, Oregon State goes off for the Bees in a big home win against the Utes. Kenny Pickett takes down the Clemson Tigers and then has a cold one after it as he mentioned on the broadcast and he's, then uh, he's legal drinking age he's and then he's been legal drinking age for no less than <laughs> seven seasons and uh and I gotta give one to uh Brett Bielema mm. I thought it was the I think we ranked our I'd like to see where I had it in our rankings of the coaching hires this offseason mm. I feel like I had that I had that one pretty high I felt like that was a, a hire that was getting a little overlooked just mainly because it's Illinois and to get a, a coach with that much credit, with that much, uh, you know, on his resume at Illinois was huge. So for him to for him to get that win over Penn State, however BS the overtime <laughs> periods were, uh, it's a huge win. People just don't like retreads, even though retreads can work. And retread, like the idea that it's always got to be new. It's like sometimes retreads are the right way to go. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason this guy was the head coach of Wisconsin and then got paid a bunch of money by Arkansas. Like this guy can coach some football. Remove a sticker. Maryland. Oh man. Oh, Maryland. Got to remove it. Like, we'll like just, Oh, poor Maryland. James Franklin. Like I understand everything with the injuries and all that, but you can't lose to Illinois at home. You just can't like, so we give one to Beal up at Franklin. You cannot, you cannot lose that game. Um, and then you have a couple. Our, our, our just our poor NC State Wolfpack, I think, is on your list. Yeah, I just felt like, 
like this is going to be the worst ACC season ever if Clemson somehow finds a way to get back in the conference championship. Like no one even wants to win the Atlantic at this point. I felt like NC State, because we talked about the gauntlet Wake Forest kind of still has. Well, I use the term gauntlet <laughs> loosely in this in the ACC. But um, yeah, NC State is just in the driver's seat. Like even though Wake Forest is still undefeated, they still have to play NC State. And we all feel like NC State's the better team. For them to just lose to Miami, like, we were all wondering if if Manny Diaz was going to make it, like, through the weekend with his job. Like, Miami is just in such a bad place. I felt like that was just, that was like an inexcusable inexcusable loss for NC State over the weekend. Absolutely. And, the, uh, and then the other one I got, I'm taking a helmet sticker from Lincoln Riley. Like I you told really, you just, you love driving that knife in Lincoln Riley, sir. Like I told you, man, like I'm starting to wonder if he's getting all these Heisman quarterbacks just by chance. Like if he's not doing anything to actually make them into Heisman winners. But obviously you saw Jalen Hurts had a lot of success uh, at Oklahoma, much more than he did at, at Alabama. But I just was not impressed with this Oklahoma offense, and I felt like like the narrative, it's so easy to tell after the fact of, oh, well, you know, they were just asleep in the first half, and then they came out in the second half and scored 35 points, and they really got it together. But it's like they didn't just start humming along offensively. Like we saw the fourth down they had to convert uh, there at the end when, G- when Caleb Williams – uh, ripped the ball from the running back. Like we also saw the fourth down they had to convert when he broke the long touchdown run. Like these were not easy drives by any means. And you're playing against Kansas, like Kansas. They've lost like I thought something like 16 straight games versus Power Five competition or something. Like now 17 straight. Yeah. So it's just it's ridiculous uh, that that game was as close as it was. So I gotta put. Got to put Lincoln Riley on blast. He uh, he gets all the credit for this offense, but very rarely gets any blame when, when Oklahoma doesn't play well. So I'm taking a helmet sticker from him. There you go. There you go. Matt Green, we can find you on Twitter.com at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Are you ready for Braves World Series coverage? When's, oh, when's the first game? When's game one? Yes, sir. I am ready. Uh, that's a good question. You said, am I ready? And asked when the first game was. I believe it's, is it Tuesday or is it? It's tomorrow. Yeah. So. Eight yeah, o'clock tomorrow. Tickets come on sale on Monday. So I'm hoping. Uh, Are you going to be able to flip it like you did? What's that? Were you going to flip it or something? No, I got I got game seven tickets. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, so yes. So are you not gonna be able to turn that into like a credit? I would guess not. Mm. But I mean, you, I will, it would be credit in some way. But I'm guessing you can't just flip it around for the next series. But I uh, actually have to call the box office, <laughs> figure figure out exactly what my options are. But I'm definitely uh, definitely gonna try to get into Truist Park or at least at the battery for one of these World Series games. It should be uh, it should be a crazy environment. All right. Matt Green, always a pleasure, sir. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. That'll do it for tonight's episode of the Chase Must Podcast. If you enjoyed listening to Matt and I talk all things college football, make sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where you get your podcasts, new college football episodes during the 
college football season uh, pop up on this feed on Mondays and Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. East Coast time. So go look out for that on this very feed. Uh, follow Matt again at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. If you like today's show, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you are an Apple Podcast listener, go visit uh, ChaseMustPodcast.com today. Uh, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com uh, go hit that subscribe button there sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com and email me if you have any email mailbag questions anything like that at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com again that is chase thomas podcast at gmail.com and uh, new episode tomorrow morning all right thanks guys talk to you soon Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.